Amen. You may be seated this morning. It's my honor to get to share the Word of God with you this morning. And once again, when I get to preach, you've already been encouraged so much. If nothing, if, if Anne's Word didn't encourage you, then I don't know what will, to be honest. I mean, it's handy to know when life knocks you left, right, and center that he is still in control of the throne. And he, is, he decides when things start and stop. And the world turns because he says that it will turn. And that is the confident hope that we can have, but I read a story this week that made me laugh a little bit. It was about a little girl who was sitting on her grandfather's lap as he read her a bedtime story. From time to time, she would take her eyes off the book and reach up to touch his wrinkled cheek. She was alternately stroking her own cheek and then his again. Finally, she spoke up, said, Grandpa, did God make you? Yes, darling, he answered. God made me a long time ago. Oh, the little girl paused. Grandpa, did God make me too? Yes, indeed, Papa, he said. God made you just a little while ago. Feeling their respective faces again, the little girl observed, God's getting better at it, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and all the grandparents said amen. And uh, I read that and it just made me laugh, to be honest. I thought that's quite funny. I don't know if it's a true story, but I really hope it is. It feels like something my sister would have said when she was growing up, to be honest. She was always cheekier and wittier and funnier than I was. But last week we had an incredible message from, I'm not just saying it because it's my mother, but I'm biased, but from Kathy, my mum, about just really being involved and stepping up and what God calls us to and the joy that comes from taking action and being involved and also receiving God's favor. She said a funny line about how she wishes she could say that God's favor wouldn't be upon you if you didn't step up, but she can't say that because God's favor's on us. Anyway, but I do encourage you, if you missed it, you can find it online at New Life Press Week on our Facebook page or YouTube channel because we would love for you to hear that because it was so encouraging for me. And this year we're looking at stretching and strengthening. And as Pastor Jim said, we're looking at engagement. And I'll be honest, I was really not sure what to share this morning. I was really going back and forth. Sometimes the word comes really easy and naturally. And then other times I really struggle and there's this tension because I'm like, God, I really want to say something that you want me to say and not just me speaking. And so I went back and forth and back and forth. And I really was drawn to two words. I believe that God put in my spirit that I want to talk about this morning that will hopefully encourage us, but it will also hopefully stretch us because God wants us to grow into everything that he calls us to be. And we want to be a church that empowers you to flourish and thrive and be everything that God has for you. But the two words that I really feel that God wanted to put in my spirit was devoted and committed. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of the word devoted, but the first thing that comes into my mind is the Olivia Newton-John song, I'm hopelessly devoted to you. And um, that's the first thing that comes into my mind when I hear the word devoted. But the second thing that comes into my mind is Acts chapter 2. Verses 42 to 47, which will hopefully come up on the screen. Thanks, Jordan. But it says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. 
And each day the Lord added to the fellowship those who were being saved. And so this is a really powerful picture to me of the early church and what they were able to function like. But I noticed in this passage that they were devoted and they were committed. But I also know as a side note, but when they made a decision to be devoted and committed, things began to happen. To be devoted, according to Google, because who needs a dictionary anymore, is to give all or most of one's times and resources to something. Committed is to be dedicated to a certain course of action. Those are two great definitions. And I believe that I've got a message title this morning that I believe that God gave to me and Gary's made a cool graphic because he's more creative than I am. And it's just a simple message title and it's a simple question. Are you in or are you out? I don't know if Gary actually sent it because I didn't send it to the graphic. Gary's looking at me. I think that was on me. Well, the graphic's not going to go up, I'm afraid. Maybe we can put it in social media. But it's a simple question. Are you in or are you out? You know, I will never forget the Saturday, the 8th of July, 2017, because it was the day that I made a commitment and Heather made a commitment to marry me, and it was a great day for Heather and a better day for me. I'm just kidding. And, um, but I remember, because it was the day I got to marry the love of my wife. She's amazing. She's beautiful. She's creative. She's better than me at almost everything, but not quite. But the reality is, on that day, we made a commitment that for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, and sickness and health, and I don't remember anything else that goes into that, but we made this commitment before God that we were going to spend life together. And it was a special day, and it was really easy for me to commit to being married to Heather on that day because it was our wedding day. But fast forward four years, and when you're four months into lockdown, I mean Groundhog Day, or it, it becomes a lot more difficult to be committed because you're annoying one another because you're there all the time. But the reality is that I love Heather more now today than I did five years. Why? Because when I've made a commitment to her, like it enriches my life. I'm using that example, but I could talk about the friends in my life who I'm committed to. My relationship with them is far deeper and richer than those who I'm just maybe casually acquainted to. Why? Because when, when we make a commitment to someone or to a cause, it becomes something that's deeper. I'm then vested, I've got a vested interest in the well-being and how well they are. Like, for example, you can be committed to your company. Why? Because I'm invested in my workplace because I'm committed to how well it performs. Like, nobody wants to be part of something that's rubbish. We partner with Hope for Justice, and I'm delighted to tell you that it's day five as part of our... There's my graphic that Gary made. Are you in or are you out? But it's day five of our Hope for Justice giving up for Lent challenge, and I'll be honest, five days in, and I'm still off Domino's and off McDonald's. However, it did dawn on me that there's meetings planned in my diary for a month's time and I still will not be allowed to eat it for like another 10 days or so. So I'm like, I'm struggling, but I'm still there. But the reason we're partnering with this is because we've got a commitment to see modern slavery ended. And because of that, we've made a decision. We're going to devote ourselves to do this. And I hope that you're doing well and I trust that you're doing far better than I am because I'm struggling a little bit. I'm, I've been told it gets easier, but it doesn't feel like it. But the Acts Church in this picture were devoted and committed. And their lives became more successful and enriched because of their decision to be committed. You know, when I got married to Heather, it was a commitment we made on that day, but it's a choice that we make every single day to hold fast to that commitment. And I can't commit 
for you. I can't commit, even for Heather in that context, I can only make the decision that I'm going to be committed. You see, we're looking at engagement in church and participation. And in a moment, I just want some church participation. See what I did there? I'm getting you participating. Because I want in this room, and if you're watching online, you can put in the comments, but I want you to raise your hand if you want to be successful. Like, if you want to be successful in life, put your hand up. And I'm not saying be a millionaire, just successful. You want to say, I live a successful life. Because I do as well. And I'm stealing this from John C. Maxwell, who's a successful leadership development guru. In fact, to be honest, he wrote the book on leadership that probably goes like Jesus, the Apostle Paul, and then John Maxwell in terms of leadership principles. And he has seven steps to success. And his first one is make a commitment to grow daily. Number two was value the process more than events. Number three was don't wait for inspiration. Number four, be willing to sacrifice pleasure for opportunity. Number five, this is an easy one because this is fun. Dream big. Number six, plan your priorities. And then number seven, give up to go up. And I love those things because it's easy to read them and think that's encouraging. But actually, when it comes to the practice of it, it's kind of, well, I'm okay with dreaming big, but actually, I don't really want to give up my pleasure for opportunity because oftentimes, the giving up the pleasure part is a long difference between that and the opportunities that it opens. But I look at this Acts church that we, the picture of in Acts 2, 42 to 47, and I can see each of these seven things at work in them. Because they were committed not only to God, but they were committed to growing daily. They were committed to listen, to spending time in the, the Word of God. They were committed to being together. And as they were doing that, they were growing. They were valuing the process more than the events. They didn't just come to meetings, but actually God was doing something in them as he was changing their hearts. I mean, could you imagine? Like, could you actually, like, could you imagine if everyone sold everything that they didn't need here so that everyone's needs could be met? Like, could you picture what that would look like? Because I know I've got a whole load of stuff that I just don't need. I've got DVDs upon DVDs upon DVDs that I'm never going to watch again because they're all on Amazon Prime and they're on Now TV. So I don't But could you imagine what that could look like if we supported one another? You see, they didn't wait to be inspired. Yes, there was the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but they just came with what they had. They were, able, they were willing to sacrifice what they could, their excess in order to have the opportunity to bless others. They planned their priorities and came together. They gave up and guess what? The church began to expand and to grow as individuals were added. You know, if we commit and if we're devoted, it has to change our behavior because we're then not living for ourselves, but we're living for something that's far greater than ourselves. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but I believe that Jesus asked the question, are you in or are you out? So many different times. And I've pinpointed two here. Two times that Jesus asked this question, and I'm going to read them quickly from the Passion Translation, because it gives a bit of context to this question of are you in or are you out? And I want to read from Mark 10, 17 to 22, and it says this, as Jesus started on his way, 
A man came running up to him, kneeling down in front of him. He cried out, good teacher, what one thing am I required to do to gain eternal life? Jesus responded, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. You already know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give a false testimony, do not cheat, and honor your father and mother. The man said to Jesus, teacher, I have carefully obeyed these laws since my youth. And all the parents thought, did you? I'm just kidding. But Jesus fixed his gaze upon the man with tender love and said to him, yet there is still one thing in you lacking. Go sell all that you have and give the money to the poor. Then all your treasure will be in heaven after you've done this. Come back and walk with me. Completely shocked by Jesus' answer, he turned and walked away very sad for he was extremely rich. Now don't switch off. I'm not saying go and sell all your money. But Jesus is asking this young man, are you in or are you out? Because Jesus could see right into this man's heart and Jesus sees into every single one of our hearts. He knows all the things we struggle with. He knows the things we hold back. And he invites us to say, are you in or are you out? Now I'm going to go backwards a step to Matthew 4, 18 to 22. And it says this, that as he was walking by the shore of Lake Galilee, Jesus noticed two fishermen who were brothers. One was nicknamed Kepha, later called Peter, and the other was Andrew, his brother. Watching as they were casting their nets into the water, Jesus called out to them and said, Come and follow me, and I will transform you into men who catch people for God. Immediately they dropped their nets and left everything behind to follow Jesus. Leaving there, Jesus found three other men sitting in a boat, mending their nets. Two were brothers, Jacob and John, and they were with their father Zebedee. Great name. Jesus called Jacob and John to his side and said to them, Come and follow me. And at once they left their boat and their father, and they began to follow Jesus. Jesus asked two different people here the same question. Are you in? Or are you out? It was almost like Jesus had this dragon's den moment like the TV show. And the rich young rulers came to Jesus to present his light. He's presenting this this invention and he's, he's desperate for Jesus to kind of invest in his business, invest in his life. And he says, well, I'm willing to give you 10% 10% Jesus of my life. And for that, I want all of the blessing and favor. Okay, and it's like a negotiation. Okay, well, okay, how about I'll give you 40%? And Jesus just looks at him and says, look, I want 100%. I don't want it's 100% or it's nothing. And you contrast that with these fishermen who are successful. They're clearly very good at what they do because they catch fish all the time, apart from that one time, but that's another story for another day. And Jesus asks them, and they say, well, do you know what, Jesus, we're 100% in. And they left that. They didn't know what was going to happen. They had no idea what the future was going to hold. But, and I don't know what happened to that rich young ruler, but I know that each of these fishermen then became the mainstays in this Acts 2 moment where the church was expanded. Why? Because when we go all in with Jesus, he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more in you and through you. And I can't begin to tell you how it works because it's all written in his word. He is faithful and he asks us the question, are you in or are you out? Jesus is a 100% all in kind of God. It's not based on our works, but he just wants all of our attention. We sang in the song, you have all my attention. 
That's what Jesus is looking for. He wants 100% all of you. And that doesn't mean that you can sell everything and you just go and make crazy decisions because he wants us to express what's the... But for me, it's a heart issue. So when it comes to engagement, Jesus has got a commitment to his church. It's the church that he's coming back for. The church is the bride of Christ and he's the bridegroom and we look forward to that day. And if Jesus is committed to his church, then so am I. You know, recently I was at an AOG Assemblies of God who the movement we're a part of, they had like a Scotland area day up in Aberdeen and one of the, the, the pastors there on the national leadership team is a guy called Pastor Simon Jarvis and he was telling a story about how he came to faith in Jesus and he said this phrase that stuck with me ever since because I, I love it because he says, when I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't just give my life to Jesus but I gave my life to him. What does that mean? It means that when he was asked the question, are you in or are you out? He made a decision as a young man. I'm in. I'm all in. And God's used him powerfully and mightily and, and continues to do so. But I love that story because it put words to the language of the experience of my life and I'm not putting me up as a big pedestal. But when I was asked the same question by Jesus, when he says, are you in or are you out? I remember being, I don't remember the exact time of phrase, but I remember being a 13, 14 year old boy. And I remember my moment came when I said, you know what, God? I'm all in. And I'm as committed to God at 29 now than I was at 13. And my life has been spent saying, you know what? I gave my life to you. So if it means I stand in a car park, I'm in. If it means I do the media and the words, I'm in. If it means I make tea and coffee, I'm in. If it means that I have to go and pick people up and drive all over the place, I'm in. Why? Because I made a decision. I'm giving my life. I'm all in, Jesus. Whatever you need me to do, whatever you're asking of me, I'm in. When it's difficult and when it's painful and when it hurts, I'm in. When I feel like nobody notices and I feel like I've been taken for granted, I'm in. When it's amazing and life is wonderful and we're having baptism, guess what? I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. And I believe that God is, wants me this morning to just ask you the simple question. Are you in? Or are you out? Because I can say it's been true of my life that as I've given up and as I've sacrificed, then God has opened up doors of opportunity for me. And I'm blessed beyond measure. And I think in part it's because I've made a decision. God, I'm in. So every need I've ever had, he's fulfilled. Everything I've ever needed him to provide for me, he's filled. When he's opened up doors, I've just walked in them in obedience. And there's some doors he's closed and there's some doors he's opened. And it's not always been easy. In fact, most of the time it's been quite hard and frustrating at times. But guess what? I'm in, I'm in. And, and my prayer is that by the time I'm 59 and 69 and 89, I'm still in, and I'm still in, and I'm still in, and I'm still in. Why? Because Jesus asked the question, are you in? Or are you out? Because it's a simple question. It's the question he's always been asking since the beginning of time. Are you in? Or are you out? And I don't think for me it's... A, and you go think, maybe you will, but I would love it. I would love it if people could remember me as one of the great heroes of faith. 
that future generations will talk about my life, not for my glory, but they'll just see Jesus all the way through it. But they can look at my example and say, I'm not perfect. I can always do more things. I can always be more of the fruit of the Spirit. But I don't want anyone to ever be able to say that he was a guy who wasn't in. I want people to look at me and say, he was in. And I want that on my tombstone along with a million one other things. David was all in. Can we stand if that's okay? Because I want to pray. The worship team, come back. Because I just, I believe that this is a moment that God placed in my heart to share this message. And I know that it's, it's quite a difficult question to answer, but I believe it's probably the most important question. Sean and the team could probably come up. But it's the most important question after, do you believe in Jesus as your savior? The second most important question you'll ever be asked by him is, are you in or are you out? And the beauty of it is he reveals what that looks like for each of us. But I just want to pray if we can close our eyes. Father God, I thank you for your commitment to us. Father God, I thank you that you're so devoted to us that Jesus came to die to be resurrected to set us free. Father God, I thank you that it's only because of that commitment to us that we're able to do anything. But Father God, I pray for every individual life in here, including my own, and for everyone watching online at home. Father God, that there'll be just something in us that as we're confronted with this question of are we in or are we out, there'll be something in us that rises up that just says, you know what, I'm in. And when we move and we make that decision to be committed and to get involved and to do what you call us to do, as we serve you, that God will go on the roller coaster journey that is life, but that you'll begin to move in us and through us. You'll open up doors of favor and influence that we could never have opened if we hadn't committed. Father God, I thank you that the future that you're building your church, I thank you that we get to be a part of it, God, and I pray that in this season as we strengthen and stretch, God, that we will see people added to your kingdom, that we will see an increase in us, Father God, to just to love one another, to commit to one another, to encourage one another, to build one another up. But above all, that we will see your kingdom come here on earth. Father God, the airship can be transformed because we make a decision to be committed to you and to your house and to your church and that we can move and use what you've given us for your glory and for your honor. And in the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen.